Uh, so when you do a first test and you get a really good result or a really bad result as well, it means you hit something that's sensitive to the customer. Sensitive to the, and then uh, from that point on, you should focus on that and try to get the best out of it until you don't have any more results. When the results are similar to neutral or nothing, then you throw away that hypothesis and get a new one. Hey, Experiment Nation. Anthony here from eNavi. I will be your podcast host today. I'm excited to be talking to Eduardo from Magalu as we dive into many things um, from his experience. I'll let him introduce himself because he'll do it much better than I will. So Eduardo, tell us about yourself. Okay, thank you very much, Anthony, for the invite, uh, uh, for the conversation. I'm very pleased to be here. Uh, it's my first time here at Experiment Nation. Uh, well, my name is Eduardo Marconi. I am a, a CRO practitioner since 2011. Um, did a bit of everything inside the area. So I, I worked in an agency. Uh, I worked in-house for a big company in consult consultancy as well. And then on 2019, I decided to open my own agency. And then uh, I, I stayed with this agency for two years. It was called Juni. Uh, and then it was acquired by uh, Grupo Magalu, which is uh, a big retailer here in Brazil. Uh, and then uh, from then on, now I am the CRO director for the whole group and my and the teams, uh, the experimentation teams that I work with attend uh, all the brands uh, within the group. Yeah. So how did you get into CRO? Like, I know you started in marketing, right? So how did you actually get into experimenting in CRO? So yeah, it was the funny story. It was by, by chance, like uh, I never heard of it before. I was an illustrator, worked, uh, I was working in London, uh, worked with a bit of everything over there in agencies. And then uh, when I decided to move back to Brazil, uh, I, I got to know this first startup. It was uh, like just a, a, a project uh, that was beginning at that time. Uh, they were in contact with some tools in Israel and uh, bringing those tools over to Brazil. And my job was to build a methodology that we could work on uh, using those tools. And in some of those tools was an A-B testing tool and a heat map tool. So we started uh, with these both tools, offering to clients uh, a service of uh, trying to improve their conversion rate. It was not even called CRO at the time. It had few articles, few documentation about the, the subject. And then, uh, but we found out that the clients that you were talking to were very interested in, in knowing more, to know more about the con uh, the consumers and the users there. And that's how it all started. So we uh, was, what we usually say here in Brazil is like, like, like uh, opening a lot of like uh, areas because nobody haven't, haven't heard of it before. And then, uh, but yeah, it was, was quite interesting. It was, was good times there, uh, trying to make people to understand uh, what we were doing when we, even us, uh, didn't have a clear idea on uh, what the service was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel like that's how CRO in general, just kind of a lot of people can have, have a similar experience to that. There's no like educational background like, um, especially when you look back 10 plus years ago, like CXL didn't exist, at least uh, as far as I know, at least not to the scale that it's at now. And so um, a lot of it was kind of stumbling in there and then learning as you go, uh, which I think is, is really cool uh, because uh, we've seen a lot of people get to the same place in terms of their thought pattern when it comes to CRO. But we've also seen like other um differing beliefs on how to approach things um, and so it's, it's really yeah. interesting how how CRO and, and um, how that's changed and shaped over the years one question I did have was and you, may, you might know this but I've noticed that there's a lot of CRO 
experts and agencies in Brazil. It, it seems to be kind of like a, um, a hot industry, I guess, in, 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 in Brazil. Uh, and I don't see that in like other South American countries. Do you know why that is? Not really, uh, to be honest. But like uh, what I see is that a lot of companies, they actually, they, they look for to understand more the consumers. And because Brazil is so big and we have very different barriers uh, depending on the region that they are and then cultural as well differences among uh, the population, maybe uh, this is something that uh, interests them, especially to grow in specific areas. So uh, right. what I found over these years is that, uh, yes, in me, over here, uh, the community, the Brazilian community is growing. I think we are hunger for knowledge. Uh, even having a lot of people entering the area, we still don't have here in Brazil a lot of uh, talks, summits, or uh, I don't know, workshops about CRO. So it's something that is new, and we have to uh, look up for uh, knowledge, for references abroad. So right. I think that's other reason as well that maybe uh, we are seeing a lot of people from Brazil coming to uh, international events or like to uh, signing up for content and so on because we lack of this uh, knowledge internally here, over here. And even... Right. Uh, and this was something that when we opened the agency was something that we missed a lot because we don't have we didn't have people uh, that knew the area and also that uh, was interested on in doing so. And uh, but even being like one of the the pioneers here, I think we didn't do a good job of uh, trying to at a, of, of trying to build like an institution like something like CXL. Uh, excelled in that, like in terms of building content, like opening up like a, a community, talking, and uh, so things were always very isolated over here. Uh, right. I think that uh, nowadays I start to see some uh, uh, people like already discussing it, some groups. So yeah, I'm very happy from uh, where we are going to. Like uh, I think I can see uh like an uh, improvement a huge improvement on that but i think we are still we still miss a little bit of that you know like to be closer to the bigger cro international community yeah and we i would say that it's very much it's very similar um in the us and, and just in general in the cro world uh there is these pockets where it's very similar the way that they think about CRO. So you have that like CRO, that CXL pocket where, you know, there's varying approaches, but it's very similar the way that they think about CRO. Um, what I would call like true CRO. But then we have like these other pockets of full service agencies or like uh, sometimes even a CRO agency where they say they do CRO, but it's not really CRO. Like it, it lacks the research aspect. It's it's mostly just kind of like throwing up ideas and guessing. Uh, and we see that a lot. There's like this mainstream CRO, and then there's the CXL version of CRO that, um, <clears throat> at least in the e-com industry and Shopify, where I spend a lot of time, there's a there's a big difference between the way the merchant talks about CRO and like CXL talks about CRO. So it's really interesting to see uh, something that's really new um, across the board, no matter where you're at, it's, it's a, it's still fairly new. It's, there's no, like, it's not like, you know, other, um, you know, marketing, uh, you, you can go in and you can, you can actually get edu like education, um, in, in, in college, you can, you know, dive into those areas and actually get, um, a, you know, a university education. You can't get that with conversion optimization. So it's so new, like experimentation, all of that is, is still so very young. It's going to be interesting to see how it changes over time. Um, and, and if that like mainstream 
at least in the e-com space, starts to shift as it does they become more familiar with the, the CXL and and the true CRO approach that is very time consuming. Like research is time consuming. It's a lot easier to throw up ideas um, that that don't come out of research that are just kind of like guessing um, than it is to spend time doing quantitative and qualitative analysis to to find problems and then you know identify solutions through uh, you know, through more research. Um, and so that's, uh, that, that's one thing that, that I'm seeing here in the U S I'm sure you're probably seeing that in Brazil is like these different pockets that are forming, um, because there's not like a, because it's so young and so many people are kind of learning it on their own, isolated. It, it creates these different, um, approaches, which is both good. There, there's positives and, and negatives to it. Yeah, exactly. I think it's it's a process, right? I think we are at the beginning of the right. uh, area, uh, I don't know, path. So yeah. uh, it's I think it's it's common to have a lot of people saying different things yeah. with different levels of knowledge until yeah. we get to a point that uh, people understand uh, what it is about the, the service, uh, yeah. the core of it, and then it will yeah. be easier. For people to uh, to get the knowledge, like people to uh, who hire as well to, the service as well to understand what they're were hiring. I think it changed a lot over the years from where we when we started. From now, it's completely different over in Brazil. Yeah. When I, when we started, we we, did, we didn't know even what an A/B test was, what a heat map was. So everything was new. Uh, nowadays. Uh, you, you have to explain in details what you're going to do, how you're going to do your research, uh, what sort of analysis you will do, uh, what kind of tools that you need to use. So uh, the, the questions got deeper, which is good. I think it's like it's, it's awesome for the area uh, that the, the who hires has like uh, the knowledge to discuss the service. You know, it makes right. it easier. Competitive increase, competition increase. Right. But that's good. That's also good because it means that people are finding it important to yep. uh, to have the service and and to discuss there. Right. As you've been a part of the you know learning, right? Kind of learning on the job about CRO and like getting you know familiarized with those tools and learning how to do them without like a formal education. When you look back, uh, what are some of those like? biggest mistakes that you made uh, or like the biggest mistake that you made where you look back and you're like, I can't believe like, that's how I thought I should approach it or that, you know, I thought that was true. Um, where now you're like completely on the opposite end. Is there anything yeah. in particular that you can recall? Yeah. We have some funny stories about that. Like I think the first one was when we, uh, we, we signed the first two, to try to sell over clients. Uh, it was something completely new. We understood it. We, we, we signed a, uh, from a company from Israel. So had a lot of language barriers as well on the discussions. And uh, the way we understood the A-B testing too was something that you could personalize. This is Romo Santiago from Experiment Nation. Every week we share interviews with and conference sessions by our favorite conversion rate optimizers from around the world. So if you like this video, smash that like button and consider subscribing. It helps us a bunch. Now back to the episode. Product by product, on um, 24-7, uh, you check like every hour what was the sales curve of that product and you could swap it using the two. <laughs> And then we actually sold like a contract, a huge contract here for a big company uh, on that way, like on that matter, like of the contract. And of course, we couldn't deliver that because it's impossible to do that manually, have a lot of people just changing products and evaluating like one hour curves of sales uh, to find results. So, so, so that was a huge mistake. And we, could, we had to review contract and everything. Like was was like a mess, but in the end, it was a big learning of like what was the uh, uh, well, how we could use the tool itself. 
And I think the other one that at the beginning was very high, people didn't understand as well the two. And they asked us to do like bigger changes on websites. So uh, when, uh, when the discussion over here of e-commerce is being responsive, like to have like an, a mobile site apart from a desktop, uh, this, I don't know, seven, eight years ago, uh, they, the, most of the platforms, e-commerce platforms, didn't have uh, a, a mobile site version of it. And they, you, clients was asking us to uh, build this inside the A-B testing tools because we could change all the front end. And we actually did a few of those that as well consumed a lot of time, a lot of energy with like uh, very little results in terms of that. It was just like for them was an opportunity to do a shortcut in terms of solving a bigger problem that they had that right. was the platform being like mobile. So yeah, that was another big mistake that if we will go back, I'll definitely say, no, don't go that, that way because yeah. uh, <laughs> we, we lost a lot of like um, good uh, sleep hours and uh, stress to try to solve that inside a EB testing tool, which is definitely not the purpose of the tool. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> what uh, what's been the most like impactful thing that you've learned in your journey? Uh, I think it's the methodology, like the problem solution uh, mindset of things. I think that's very interesting and it applies for everything in life, to be honest. But I never thought uh, on that way before entering the CRO area, because and because even now. Uh, that we have a lot of data, we have a lot of information and right. to decide things, uh, we always have to go back to the problem, to the origin of everything that we are doing and, right. uh, uh, and to build the best solutions. And I think that that was the most important thing that uh, over the years we learned. And it's impressive how much, if the more, uh, purpose you have like on what you are doing like what problem you want to solve like the premises of this and like the idea behind of it uh the more clear they are uh clear they are yeah they are, then uh it's impressive how the arguments to the decision like oh that's the test that we need to run uh and like uh, the results afterwards closer to get like good results like uh and learnings it's impressive like so I right. think that's that's the key lesson that i that i learned over the years yep so always go back to the problem exactly yeah 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 it's really easy especially as you do more research to get caught up and all of the different things that you're learning and insights from that but uh viewing that through the lens of the problem is the way that you can make the most impact from yeah, a, and, from and a testing you, standpoint. Right? Exactly. And when you work for big companies, you you have to talk to a lot of people to publish something. Right. Okay? There are a lot of specialized areas. So if you want to talk about shipping, the way you be testing for shipping, you go through, you understand what they're doing, like uh, what's the core of the want to do. But then you have to also talk to the design team. You have to talk with the data team. You have to talk with a lot of people. Branding sometimes, like side, like the copywriting and so on. So uh, the, it also gives you as well when you start to discuss ideas, new da data that make you change the path of the things that you are doing. So you don't have like a core, like a problem and a purpose of what you wanna do. Uh, it's very easy to divert from your original idea and do right. something, something completely different, which is not solving any problem for the final. Right. So yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> that's something that you have to be careful because it's very easy to uh, to get uh, misled in terms of that. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, you can go down so many different tangents and and uh, and get inundated with a bunch of different priorities or problems that aren't even 
might not even be related to the core problem that you're trying to solve or your, your most important priority at that given moment. And it, it can be so easy to then get spread thin across a bunch of things and your research and, and the value you're providing ultimately um, is, is limited, right? Because you can only go so deep when you've got a bunch of different tangents that are filling up your your insights backlog or your mind ultimately. Uh, that's so true. It's, that's, that's something that um, I've like, learned over, over the years too, is, is making sure that you go back to the problem that you're focusing in on that particular problem and not getting caught up in these other problems or shiny objects that come in because uh, it, it's, it's just far too easy to do that. Um, yeah. So having that priority, that problem that you're solving is so key. So I want to dive into Magalu and, and some of the work that you do there. So if you could introduce Magalu um, and familiarize them with, with kind of who Magalu is, and then we can dive into like Magalu's service offering when it comes to trade marketing CRO uh, yeah. and, and learn a bit, a little bit more about that. Um, yeah. Sure. Uh, so Magalu is a, is a retailer company, uh, has been over 60 years now uh, old. It has like one, more than 1,000 and it's almost 1,400 uh, stores all over Brazil. And then uh, it's the second biggest e-commerce here in, the, in Brazil. So it's local. We don't. Uh, we are not an international company. We are focused on in Brazil. Uh, it started as an electronic home appliance store, and moved now. And we are one of the biggest marketplaces in Brazil. So in terms of companies that are similar, I would say like, of course, the most famous e-commerce Amazon. It's very similar offer that we have there. But Magalu also has like a big. Um, uh, a very big purpose, I think, that they want, they, they always say that they wanted to give access to all what is a privilege to few, like here in Brazil. So like uh, how they can offer things, uh, how they can work throughout the whole uh, system, ecosystem of the uh, of retailers, sellers, clients, um, and then uh, which makes like uh, also a company with like very big purpose around the uh, over here in the area. Uh, to, uh, and also, one other thing that's important to say that we have like our mothership that we call like that's Magalu, that's the biggest brand, that's the most famous one. But we also have inside the group uh, another brands that are specialized and leaders inside their area. So, for instance, we have like Netshoes, that's the most like uh, uh, the biggest sports uh, e commerce that has in Brazil. Uh, Epoca, which is like uh, the same for beauty, and also Estante Virtual, that's the same for books, and uh, and Zatini, which is like a fashion brand as well over here, like a website that sells all about fashion, like a lot of different brands, it's a multi-brand uh, store. So we we have like the general, like that sells everything, and also the specific websites that are to specific categories as well, which makes very interesting the CRO job here because you have both words that you can work with um, internally. And then uh, when uh, Juni, that was my company, was acquired, uh, we now are, we don't sell to the market anymore. We are internal internals there. We are in house like uh, area uh, that work for, whole, for the all brands that's uh, inside the Magalu group. At that moment, they didn't have like a very structured experimentation program. They had like some initiatives inside the brands, but was not something uh, spread throughout the whole group. And then, uh, uh, and that's our plan. That's our strategy here now to build like a program uh, to all the brands, to all the companies that we have there. Uh, and then uh, about uh, trade CRO, this is one of the services that we do. Uh, we we work with different areas internally, and we have one specific 
part of our department here that is the only one that we sell to the market. That's the what we call CRO for trade marketing, which is uh, instead of us being our uh, first players inside our, our site and doing tests, we offer to industries to come to Magalu and then build an experimentation program internally inside Magalu. So it's like a third party being able to do experiments inside our brands. And, and the idea is that we, we play that by category. So each department inside the brands, they can have like one captain, which is, which is a brand that will be uh, co-responsible together, responsible together with us to build an experimentation roadmap to the brand or the category itself. So depending on the, uh, the program, for instance, like if you have like a type of product that we don't sell a lot uh, in, in our stores, they could hire that to improve the sales of the whole department from then on to build like a brand relation with uh, the users. So it's something that can be, can, can be done as well. And then uh, uh, the idea, so this captain, they can work for the awareness of the category or the performance of the brand. It's up to them and they can do both. And sometimes they do both. Like they work in different strategies internally there uh, to, to build up their uh, their brand uh, market share and so on. This captain, they can define the roadmap together with us in terms of that. So, and our responsibility is to be like a branch of them, uh, being like an outsider inside the Magalu, but also uh, discussing the strategies that they are doing internally with the Magalu teams as well. So we're like a neutral area uh, that attend both words. That definitely sometimes they collide in terms of that because of different interests. But our plan is obvious to build a win-win strategy uh, for the brand to increase their market share, their sales, and us to increase our overall sales, the department share internally as well. So that's that. That's the the CIO trade offer, like uh, in big, right. big picture. There. So, but to do the experiments, we go back to the problem. So we have to do research as well for this. Year. Right, right. In yeah. the end of the day, what we are building to them is like a full CRO program where we will run the researches for them. So that can be like surveys. They can be like just like heatmap studies can do, can be a lot of things that they will, user testing of their page. We understand how the brand is seen by uh, Magalu users, clients, and their, their opinions, their uh, navigational uh, data. And then from there on, we build strategies for them. And that strategies could be to launch a new product, uh, increase market share, or maybe to improve their content uh, or reduce costs. So we had some examples of like industries that for, for instance, they wanted us, they wanted to know because they have to build like six images for their product page. And to build that images, they spend a lot of money in studios. So like, uh, but does it make sense to have six Photos. Maybe with right. four images, they'll have the same result. Maybe they need 10 images. So what's the right amount of images that you need uh, to make more sales in terms of the product? And that's something that we could help them with. And then uh, and even to reduce costs. Hey, look, you are spending too much because you don't need five, six. You can do the same job with three. And maybe right. that's okay for them. So that's something that we have seen a lot as well which is quite interesting because it's something that we were not used to analyze and to 
and to define as a priority in terms of A-B testing for us. So obviously with Magu, that's a very uh, unique situation where um, you're working with brands that are that are selling through your site to improve their product listings and learn more about their consumers and ultimately the branch of their consumers that are shopping on Magalu. But in other contexts, like for other brands that maybe aren't selling through Magalu or CRO agencies um, that that don't um, have this uh, you know type of uh, service, what are what are some things that they can extract from this process, or uh, you know s- some ways that they could utilize some of the research that you do or insight gathering that you're able to do um, that that they could then utilize it in you know with their brand or with the brands that they work with. I think it's important to stress that like this program, this software, it didn't start inside Magalu. We uh, we I was actually. Uh, offering that when I had my agency before, so I would I, I would go to industries and knock on their door and say, "Look, uh, how much data do you have of your user inside the point of purchase, inside the e-commerces? I know that you have data from your e-commerces, but what about other players that you sell them?" And I I got surprised that they have almost no data. They don't have a uh, any information, unless what they receive from these retailers, which usually is not much, because the retailers don't have like big teams to, to do the service for the industry internally. So uh, I came up with this idea to build this program. Say, look, why don't we go together and knock into the retailers uh, and offer them a service that I would play the neutral as like an outside company that have like uh, uh, not like a specific interest in terms of getting to know their data in total and the things. And I will do uh, the middleman job. So like I will build the roadmap, build the tests, and then the company, uh, the retailer could give me access to the data. And I'll have a contract with them that I will only uh, share whatever they let me share in terms of that. So that was very interesting. And it actually, it worked a lot. I found out that uh, the industries helped, that, that helped me to get into a lot of retailers because of the industry. Because they already had the contacts. They already have uh, the their, their relationship with the, with the companies. And they were open to do that kind of uh, of of uh, service, so that was interesting. So for agencies, I think it's an offering. It's a different type of offering that can be done. For in-house uh, departments, for CRO, uh, it's a different point of view, because when you are an in-house, your 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 main responsibility is about the platform itself as a CRO. So you are you try to understand how to improve the performance of the platform. So are looking for navigational paths, uh, for uh, content, maybe uh, buttons, maybe like the structure of the pages, uh, and so on. But then, uh, especially on big retailers as Magalu or other companies that you sell everything, right? It's not, they're not specific into one product. Uh, uh, and you have to sell a lot of things. So you don't get deep in there inside like uh, a way uh, in a product-based perspective. So and and that helps a lot because when the industry comes, they are all, always passionate about their products. They love what they sell. They come and they know a lot about their products, their features, their benefits, uh, the best angles that you should expose the products, and so on. But us as retailers, we don't look as much as one specific brand of that product. So in the end of the day, when we started to learn those different perspectives, it gave us a completely different overview of things that we could do inside a product page, inside right. a, a organic uh, uh, search page. You know, so uh, that's very interesting. 
And uh, it's, it's a different kind of A-B testing that we do. It's a different kind of roadmap. Uh, which, right. Which yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. I, uh, it's uh, honestly a genius idea that you had there to, to take that into, um, to, to partner those brands with the retailers that they're selling on and to ultimately work with them to sell more on those retailers. That's uh, something that I haven't seen here in the U.S. Yet. It probably exists and maybe I'm not familiar with it, but uh, really cool concept there. I think um, quite interesting. So I'd assume you've been at some point in time connected with Magalu and started doing that with Magalu. And then Magalu was like, let's bring this in house. And that's kind of how that happened. Uh, well, for Magalu itself was not, was not the case. I was talking with some companies at the time inside this straight area. But it was a different story in terms of like the, the acquisition and everything. But uh, it gave me opportunity to get to know a lot of companies uh, by the industry perspective. That, that was nice. And uh, one of the companies from Magalu Group, that's Epoca, is a beauty uh, company, like the beauty category. Uh, we were working with an industry from that beauty category. That's one of their uh, biggest goals was to do CRO uh, for this specific uh, brand. And then when I came, came to Magalu now, of course, that makes it uh, easier to contact, uh, to talk and so on. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, it's, it, it's, an, it's a good opportunity in terms of that and to, to get to, to mix both words. And, uh, Whenever you are doing a good job, that could happen as well. Maybe sometimes the retailer said, oh, that's nice. What you are doing here for the industry is quite nice. Uh, don't you want to do it for us as well? Or do you want to help our team to improve our uh, our strategy skill? So that can open right. the doors as well. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, so... One of the things that um, I think is really interesting about your experience is um, the fact that you've worked in an agency, you worked as, an, as a consultant, you ran your own agency, now you're in-house um, at Magali working with, with multiple brands at a, at a very large company. Uh, and so that's your, your career path really cool. Uh, there's, there's a lot of different roles that you filled, which I think is, um, there, there's a lot of insight that we could pull from that. Uh, in that, uh, you know, both working in-house and as an agency owner, what, what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned uh, through that? Mm -hmm. uh, I'd like to ask you a question because I think it's important. Uh, can you give me an example of something you did for the first time in your life, that you have excelled on it. That I was excellent on it. <laughs> Not a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I asked this question to all my uh, prospects, clients, to everyone. I think the only answer that I thought, okay, that's, that's fair, was our children, right? Like the children, the first time you do them, you excel them the first time, yeah? But apart from that, it's very rare for you to excel in something when you do it for the first time. Right. So why do you think we think the same for our hypothesis? Uh, I, I got a, a, a view of, after all these years that hypotheses are like fruits when you want to make a, a juice. So you squeeze the fruit for the first time. Depending on how much juice you get out of the fruit, you keep squeezing until right. you get to a point that's no more juice on the fruit. Then you throw it away and you get a new fruit. For me, the hypothesis have the same principle. Uh, so when you do a first test and you get a really good result or a really bad result as well, it means you hit something that's sensitive to the customer. 
sensible to do it. And then, uh, from that point on, you should focus on that and try to get the best out of it until right. you don't have any more results. When the results are similar to neutral or nothing, then you throw away that hypothesis and get a new one. So right. it took me a long time to understand that in terms of it and to sell that to my customers as well when I was an agency. Because it's very easy for you uh, to build like a huge roadmap with a lot of things on it. And you don't open space to retest it, to right. uh, go deeper, to understand yeah. the user. And I did some uh, analysis later on to try to understand where were my biggest uh, results, my bullets, silver bullets, like uh, results, right. Assume, right? And in the end of the day, they were never from the version one of an hypothesis. They were from the version two, version three, version four sometimes. Right. Because that's the mindset. That's the incremental logic of it. And you right. learn from your test. I think more important than getting like a result is to get the learnings from it and knowing what to do with that learnings and have room to apply the learnings into the, 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 to the platform again, like to roll out again that for the users, for you to get and to know if they were actually true or not in terms of that. So I think in the end of the day, uh, that was the biggest learning that I have throughout the whole process here of, uh, of, of not giving up too easily on right. an idea, you know? Yep, yep. No, that's good. So a hypothesis is like a fruit. Mm -hmm. Squeeze it till you can't squeeze it no more. Exactly. <laughs> uh, no, that, that's really good. I think it's because it's so easy to, oh, you got a positive win. Let's move on to the next hypothesis. Or this one was really negative. Let's scrap that. Obviously, we had a terrible idea. Um, and instead of pressing through, and especially with like bad ideas, uh, bad ideas can be so valuable because you can you can learn so much. You can you can identify uh, something that you added that clearly was detrimental to the user experience. Clearly, you know, what, whatever you did, whether it's removing or adding something or changing something, that change was, was super uh, impactful. And so uh, I guess one of my follow-ups questions would be when you're looking at squeezing a hypothesis after version one, after you run that test, whether it's a, a, a positive and it's statistically significant winner or loser, what do you do to extract more value? Like you've got a winner. What can that version two look like? How do you get to version two? How do you get to version three? Yeah, we, what we try to do is like deep dive the results from the version one to try to understand uh, not exactly the real number of it, like, but like try to get an ideas of what might happen in terms of that. Sometimes if you see the right number, you don't have like statistic value to it because when you break down, the numbers start to get smaller and it's hard for you to get the number. But that helps you get already some point of views. So wh why? Why that maybe sometimes an experiment worked really well for a specific audience and didn't work for another one? Right. So what could have happened there? And then we go back sometimes to the hypothesis, to the, uh, uh, to the link where the test was developed. Try to experiment it, try to use it like the test again. Think about it, the process. Maybe sometimes even doing research on top of it. Say, okay, that's, so that's the idea. What, what, what other research that we can do? What can we ask the client? But, but keep uh, poking like that idea, like uh, in terms of, uh, what's next? I always try to do that to my team. I say, okay, we, we can't go, we can't finish an AP right. test, like an right. analysis, without a what's next answer. Yes. That's so, so true. And then, uh, uh, and we will work from that. So, and then they, this is something that we need to do. Everyone needs to do at the end of the test. And then, right. When we go back to it and we, we put it them back on our roadmap, 
to decide. Then we will decide if we will prioritize the version two of that experiment over another hypothesis, depending on the audience, depending on how uh, micro, how small was the audience that uh, we found the what next, or or not, or like to prioritize it. But it's like a mix. We don't have like one specific way of going to ver- from version one to version two. But uh, the idea is spend time on trying to gather all the information you have and to do this uh, provocation, like to, to go there and say, like, look, uh, there's something else that need, needs to be done. Right. Search for references, uh, do another research or deep dive the numbers, but try to understand uh, what's going on because it will never work for everyone. Always will have like a specific group that could have like a negative impact in terms yeah. of that project. So uh, the idea is to try to understand that. Right. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, and so going from version one to version two and squeezing more out of that hypothesis, um, you'd say dive into segments, new versus returning, look at channels. What Was there any ones that performed way better or way worse? Um, and then trying to understand uh, why that happened, which can oftentimes draw you back to research and other insights that you gathered, or maybe you have to to restart the research process or you know gather some more qualitative um, data through through what you're kind of what you've learned in this test. Um, that, that's that uh, that definitely makes sense. We I have an example, uh, which I, I'd love to hear an example um, too on your end. Uh, do you have any examples that you can think of where uh, you had a test or hypothesis? You ran a test. It was a clear winner or was a clear user loser, um, and then the, you squeezed that hypothesis for more and had a version two or a version three. Is there any particular examples that you can think of for that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we, for instance, we had like a. Imagine that we have like a, a an internal search page result, but like a product list there. And then uh, what we wanted to do is like we didn't have. Uh, sorry, going going back, we had the the, the research page. Uh, if if the user wanted to filter the options, they had to click in a filter button and open all the options. But depending on the category, you have like a lot of filters, different type of filters. And then we understood that some of the filters uh, were the most clicked ones for each one of the categories, for instance. So what we decided was to move from inside the filter area, uh, the, the filter that was used the most, to be like a shortcut on the top of the product list. So it would be easier for them to filter it without going throughout all the steps of clicking, moving, choosing, rolling back and down, up and down and then so on. So we did this, what we call like was a quick filter uh, inside the search bar uh, over on the top of the list. So what we did is we test that uh, using brands for instance, for all the uh, other products, all the other pages, because when you look at in general, uh, logo the brands were the most clicked filter uh, for that specific uh, brand that we were working inside Madabel Magal. So okay, so we did that. The the total result, it was good. We could see improvement on that. But then what we did was okay, but did it work? the same for all the departments internally. And then when we started to deep dive the numbers, we checked that for uh, the, our most uh, selling products over there, uh, it worked really well. And that's why the general result was good. But when we look at to the long tail, 
The problem is we don't sell that much. Depending on the category, the brand didn't have like a huge effect on the users. So we, we had a few clicks. Uh, we had like, uh, we, we lost, we had less sales in terms of the total that we, we saw the categories and so on. So uh, deep diving that, we could understand that uh, we could generate like uh, an increase in sales by generalizing it for the brands. But when we deep dive, we discovered out that for some categories, we could, we could use other filters to be on that position. Like, uh, I don't know, size, like, or maybe uh, uh, weight or height, depending on the product. So there are other type of filters that work best. And then we could uh, increase our conversion and our sales by uh, splitting in different, uh, different filters by category instead of making like a general choice on that. So uh, that was an example that in the end of the day, we could just implement it. But study, we found out that we could do more and then improve even more in our results. You, you broke up your search, the, the performance of users on your search results by the category or product they're purchasing, right? And when you, when you did that, you were able to see that brands, the brand filter option didn't perform as well on some of the on, on other categories, right? Um, and so then you were able to take it a step further and, um, and you know, squeeze more out of that hypothesis. I mean, I love that concept. I think it's huge, like uh, being able to identify what's next at the end of a test is, is a, it's an acquired skill that only comes in time. It, you just have to have loads of tests under your belt to even be able to identify what comes next. Um, and there's there's loads of, of research that's involved underneath that to to extract more value out of that hypothesis. So I really love that concept. And I noted it here. Hypothesis is like fruit. Um, gonna, gonna steal that one. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll make sure every single time everybody knows that that came from, from you. Uh, <laughs> anything else that, um, that you wanted to, to kind of highlight about your different roles? Uh, when you transitioned from an agency owner to working in-house with Magalu, uh, was there anything that, uh, looking back, you would have done differently as an agency owner now that you're in-house? Like, has there been things like that that agency owners or those working at an agency um, could, uh, could learn from the different roles that you've been in and your experience both in-house and as an agency owner? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think I think that's something that uh, uh, for me, like as a, I, I love the, the, to be a passionate about CRO. I like the, the, the area a lot. So for me, the the most interesting projects were the ones that I had the more data involved on it, and data from different levels inside the company, strategic data. So as an agency owner, sometimes. Uh, when you you sign a contract, uh, you don't have access to a lot of data for the company. Maybe they'll give you like the analytics tool, maybe like a heat map tool, but it's very hard for them to give you access to uh, their bottom line results, for instance, like or even like uh, the impact that it had on logistics, on costs, and then uh, and then on the I don't know, payment methods analysis where they can like lose money depending on which payment methods uh, the users are using the most. So there are a lot of other variables when you, when you are in a retailer, for instance, that like uh, as an agency, you don't have access to it. And, and that make you sometimes blind in terms of making the better decisions. Uh, so, as a, uh, my, my advice uh, for, for an agency that like is to uh, build this relationship with the C-level or directors or the executive level that you are discussing with and uh, trying to 
prove them the importance of having this access to these tools. That your goal is not to share that to the market or so on, definitely not, but to improve the decision making. Right. And then, uh, and because of that, sometimes because we we lack this this deep analysis, uh, we we sometimes don't understand why that we did a test, it got the good results, and why the retailer sometimes is not implementing it. What happens there? What's going on in the middle? And then, uh, and it's not always clear. Uh, I don't know if there's something local here, if you feel the same in the US. Yep. But in Brazil, I had a lot, a lot of this feeling that sometimes like, oh my God, what like, why? <laughs> why? Right. Here's the result. We have yeah. like, a, but we don't understand the bigger picture of it uh, yep. because of that, because you don't have access to that information. And that makes the whole difference uh, when you are internal, in-house, and you have access to it and you start to connect all the different tools into your test and get the results and finding out exactly what might be the bottlenecks throughout the whole process from uh, the consumer to buy it until delivers at his house, uh, it's something completely different. So Right. Yeah, no, that's, that's really good advice. Um, it's so true that, uh, you know, in running eNavi, we get limited picture on that e-com merchant and, and, you know, we get access to their analytics and we build out some infrastructure for them so we can grab qualitative um, data too, but we don't have all of the different data that they have. Um, and oftentimes the merchant doesn't even have all the data that they need. Yes. Uh, and so having that full picture of data, though, can help you better prioritize uh, test ideas, better prioritize hypothesis, uh, better prioritize those insights where you're where you're ultimately focusing the problems that you see uh, makes it way better for you to truly be an extension of, of uh, that company's team. And, and to provide them the most value when you can have that full picture. Otherwise, you're just limited into your area. And so that's huge. Um, that's, a, that's a really good advice there. Exactly, because I, I still feel that CRO is an operational area. Yeah. At, at least over here in Brazil, it's treated a lot as like a, an operational area, not, not a strategic uh, area that you could uh, leverage your results uh, massively, like in terms of like, look, that, that let's put the biggest ideas of the company uh, to test uh, and not the small ones, you know? Like sometimes what I see a lot and, uh, over the years is, is exactly that. It's like the small ideas, like the button, like the menu and so on. Okay, that's okay, you can test. But the big decisions are still making directly without uh, an experimentation program, like studying, understanding the problem, like the solution. So, uh, and it's important. And I think for the agencies, it's important to present that, like the data, the importance of getting all this data together to collect, to make the better decisions, because that could be the difference in terms of uh, getting these contracts or maybe keeping the contracts later on because it's where the value is, like, uh, and not changing the color of the button or changing a specific uh, content in a landing page, you know? Uh, right. They, they definitely give gains as well, but in a much less, I don't know, like a less scale there. Right, right. No, yeah, yeah. Ex experimentation can go beyond just the user experience. I mean, there's, there's many layers to where it can be. Uh, be utilized and where it should be utilized. So um, I, I love that idea of it being more just part of an organization's operations than like a strategic role. But, you know, it, it plays a, a much bigger role when it's part of operations because it's, it's, uh, 
a, a core um, part of how the organization operates and thinks about things is through the lens of experimentation. So that's really good. Well, I uh, really enjoyed the, the time that we had together. Um, I think the, the one thing that I'll leave our listeners to is um, always think what's next uh, when it comes to experimenting. Uh, when a test is done, ask yourself what's next because like our daughter said here, a hypothesis is like a fruit and squeeze it until you can't squeeze any more juice out of it. And so love that concept. Really enjoyed our time together. Thanks again, Eduardo. Thanks a lot. I think it was a pleasure talking to you. Uh, talk to you again. Thanks a lot. Thank you.